and and dad was a you know dad was a coal miner and they're you know they're really um very my parents are still you know very religious but at the same time my father when he was working on the coal mines in pike county uh you know on the strip jobs those guys would would see these balls of light you know floating over top of the strip jobs when they were working at night and they'd shut all their machinery down and they couldn't hear anything but these big you know, five to ten foot wide balls of light would hover over the work site, and then they'd hover over to the another work site, you know, half a mile away that these guys could see. And after it had sort of slowly passed over everything, he said it would just shoot straight up in the air, just bam, and it was gone. And they would see those all the time on the strip jobs in Pike County. of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. back to Serial Spirits, the podcast. It's me, your host, Brendan Shea, and with me as always is the beautiful and the lovely. Rory May Shea? No, not Rory May Shea. Oh, it's her mama. It's Annie Weebs. What's up, Shea Bay? Uh, we're back. We're, it's 2020. We're back. And it's weird. I'm looking at you right now recording in this podcasting room, and you are holding our small little infant it's her very first podcast. It's so her first podcast. Welcome, she's with us. Yeah, welcome to Serial Spirits, our baby girl, Rory. We're so happy that she's here, and we're hoping that she doesn't cry throughout this entire episode. Yes, if she does, we'll give her a good little talking to and send her on her way. But we are back, guys. It is the new year. It's 2020. We hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. And we are on the cusp of an incredible season. We plan on bringing you so much more than we did last year. A lot of stuff changed, and we'll go over all of that at the end of the episode. But I also want to bring up something that's kind of sad right now, because as we are recording this, news is unfolding that NBA legend basketball star Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash uh, this morning with his 13-year-old daughter, and our hearts go out to everybody involved in this tragedy. I mean... I was never a huge basketball uh, fan myself. Uh, I know Annie 
Were you? Were you a basketball fan? We were. We were a big basketball family just because, you know, my brother played basketball all the time. And so growing up, we watched a lot of basketball. Of course, Kobe um, was a little kind of after our, you know, we grew up with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and, you know, Phil Jackson. Of course, he was you know, famously the coach of the Lakers and I guess Kobe. Um, if you guys hear that other breathing, dude, that's Rory. <laughs> She's breathing She's extra breathing. loud right now. Um, so yeah, it's just an absolute tragedy just to the sports world and everyone involved are, you know, you see something like that, especially when kids are involved and being new parents ourselves, your heart just goes out to them. So unbelievably sad. You know, regardless if you're a sports fan or not, Kobe Bryant, you knew who he was. He had some impact on the world. He was an incredible basketball player. And, you know, people look at that kind of thing and the tragedy and be like, who cares? They're sports stars. Everybody dies. But at the same time, you know, you have these people who stand out in your life. And I mean, it's it's a shock. And it was a shock to the sports world. If you follow any sports, I mean, it was a shock and it's a sad day and it came out of nowhere. And it just reminds you it really if you look at the big picture, it really reminds you that life is short. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that all the strife and the bullshit that goes into fighting about politics and religion and all this. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because life is short. So just today, just take that extra effort. When you get done listening to this episode, just take that extra effort, walk into a room with your family member and just hug them. Say, I love you because you never know. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring and it may not even come. This season, we want to go down a different path. We're going to bring you a lot more crime, but... I found something for this first episode. I found something that ties the two together. And uh, as you heard, the last interview we did for last year was with Connor Randall, a paranormal investigator and documentarian. And he's one of the executive producers of the series Hellier that came out. Uh, You know how highly we speak of this documentary. It changed the face of the paranormal world, not just for paranormal investigators, but how you look at the world in general, the bigger picture. And I can speak for myself and Andy to know that we were intrigued and we were in love with everything that they did in this episode. The Newkirks, Connor, Randall, Carl Pfeiffer, Tyler Strand. I mean, they just brought out something that was refreshing and it it just opened eyes to the world. And the cool thing is, is that we found two guys who were part of that documentary. They were interviewed and come to find out that they are locals of Somerset, Kentucky, but they're not that far away from us either. And they, you know, Annie can speak for this 100% that she's from this area, that this is a strange, strange area. I mean, the Appalachian region has a lot of weird tales, a lot of strange happenings. And, you know, you'll hear some of it in the interview that we're about to play you. But we sat down with these guys. So let me just go over and tell you who these guys are. So you have a little bit of a better idea and understanding. (laughs) I think that came from her mouth and not her butt, but I'm not sure. We'll know soon. Rory's not enthused. <laughs> All she wants to do is sleep, eat, oh, she wants boob and make right a poo poo. So anyway, guys, this season we Nathan Paul Isaac uh, is one of the guys we're going to sit there and talk to now. He's a writer and filmmaker from Kentucky. He is the producer and director of the music video series Summer Sessions on YouTube, and also and producer of the upcoming podcast titled Penny Royal which will be released in the spring of this year. He is also an avid researcher of high strangeness. Now, before we get to Kyle's bio, I just want to say I saw Nathan on Hellier 
And I was like, that dude looks so familiar to me. Why do I know him? And I, I look him up on Facebook and I see that he has mutual friends with me, which I kind of assumed because it was a paranormal thing, but there was only a few that were mutual friends and two of them were the Newkirks. And I was like, hmm, who are these other mutual friends? And they're people that I grew up with who have bands who are into the bluegrass scene, the country music scene, and come to find out, I find out he is a music producer. And I thought that was really strange. And there's this YouTube page that I follow called Summer Sessions. And I found out that I listen to it all the time. I always follow it. And he's the guy who runs it. So I just thought that was weird how it all tied together. Right, Annie? Yeah, just another level of synchronicity that you find. You know, these guys actually, I don't think they're even originally from Somerset. If you hear them talk about it, they all kind of move back into the area. And so they came together formed this posse recording the podcast called uh, Penny Royal and, you know, are picked up with Greg and Dana for Hellier. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of high strength. And it's, they even talk about that, how you, and we talk about that. You get into it a lot, how they, they are transplanted from other places in the country and they all ended up together in this small town of Somerset, Kentucky. The other co-host of the Penny Royal podcast, his name's Darren West, and I had no idea that he was actually um, part of this project till we started talking to these guys. And he is another local who just did all the lore. He's he's looked into all the history of this, and he gives an interesting take this whole interview that we do. He's got a lot of great points, and I was glad that he was able to join us for this interview. And I mean, these guys, what they have going on is incredible. And the last member of this trio is Kyle Cadell. Uh, You may remember him if you've watched Tellier. He is the curator of the International Paranormal Museum in Somerset. But he's been active in the paranormal field for over 15 years. His 40 and interest started at an early age with consuming obsession with strange folklore, alien encounters, and fringe science, as well as shows like Unsolved Mysteries and The X-Files. In high school, Kyle started ghost hunting with a local group and never stopped. So there, right there, it tells you how awesome the dude is because some of his favorite shows were X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries, just like me and Weebs. Opened in October 2017, Kyle is the owner and director of the International Paranormal Museum and Research Center in his hometown of Somerset, Kentucky. He has traveled all over the country investigating the strange and gathering artifacts and stories to bring alive some of the most interesting and fascinating folklore encounters. In 2019, Kyle Cladell, Nathan Isaac, and Darren West co-founded an investigatory team focusing on high strangers in small towns. The team's goal is to uncover and attempt to understand some of the paranormal and odd phenomena commonly hidden behind a small town veneer. The team focuses on using an eclectic mix of scientific experiments, ghost hunting communication techniques, physically inspired hypnosis, magic, and standard investigational procedures and their own adventures with the unknown. These guys were incredible group to talk to we actually spoke for another two hours off the record and some of the stuff that they found in their research is incredible and me and annie are so happy to open up our season with this investigation because it ties in true crime with some of the things they found out going on in somerset kentucky so guys sit back crack yourself a beer and let's get into this amazing interview with the hosts of the upcoming podcast penny royale right here on Serial Spirits, the podcast. All right, guys, we are here tonight with three guys who are just perfect for me and Annie because we, you know, talk about all this weird, creepy 
conspiracy theory, all this paranormal stuff, but also true crime. And we love true crime. So with me today is Nathan Paul Isaacs, Kyle Cadell, and Darian West. And they are the hosts, I, I, I guess co-hosts, you guys are all co-hosts together, but they are the hosts of a upcoming podcast called Penny Royale that's coming out in the spring of 2020. And we are super excited to have these guys on because if you've seen Hellier, you've seen two of these guys. Um, they talk to Greg Newkirk and Connor Randall when they are in Somerset, Kentucky, where they are from. So we're super stoked to have you guys. I'm glad you guys are here. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you guys? We are super stoked. We're much have. better now that you're here to talk about all this weird stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get weird. <laughs> it will. See, I'm already singing part of the podcast. Yeah. We should just roll with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk. I don't want to like give too much away, and I don't want to have you guys just do your whole podcast here for us on our podcast, but... Where did you come up with this name, and and what what was the whole basis for you guys starting this podcast? Um, you know, really, I started working on the podcast. Um, I guess January of 2019, and um, this region that we live on um, is called the Penny Royal Plateau, um, and so it kind of stretches from Hopkinsville to Lexington in the north to. Um, you know, right where the Appalachian Mountains start in the east, um, and then uh, down to the southern border of uh, Kentucky. And so this uh, this whole region is the Penny Royal Plateau. Um, it's also named after the you know the plant, uh, the herb Penny Royal, um, and which is really a bastardization of Penny Royal. You know, it's country people saying Penny Royal, <laughs> Penny Royal. <laughs> it's yeah. true. I've heard it yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, you know that plant also is. It's one of three abortive plants in, you know, the world. Um, so people have been using it for like thousands of years, you know, like shamans and things, you know, for like abortions and stuff. But um, damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 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 that's why it's it's that's why the song Penny Royal Tea by Nirvana is called Penny Royal Tea. It's a reference to Penny Rao. Oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah. So cool. Fact dropping there. some dropping some Nirvana knowledge. I like that. <laughs> so you guys are from this area in Kentucky where all this high strangeness has occurred. And I want to get into your experiences. But first of all, if anybody has seen Hellier 2, how did you guys get hooked up with uh, the Newkirks and involved in, in Hellier? Uh well, this is Kyle here. Um, we've actually, like, I've had the Paranormal Museum here in downtown Somerset. Um, and we've been open for a little bit over two years. But honestly, I've always been into this kind of stuff. I've been going to the Mothman Festival for nine or ten years and every single local festival uh, since I started, like, since it was inception, you know. And so a few years ago, the CryptidCon uh, Greg and Dana were hosts or were guests and had a whole talk about the Hopkinsville goblins and everything. And we ended up just talking museum talk with each other, uh, the different things that they have, uh, some of the stuff we have, um, some of the validity, validity of the things we had. And so we had a nice little rapport going. And then um, in about the end of August, they hit us up 
and were very covert about everything. Like, hey, we just happen to be in the area. Would you be able to, uh, like, show us the museum and everything? And of course, uh, I did, and they're great people and everything. And then while they're there, they kept on asking more and more about uh, our small town here, Somerset. And um, of course, uh, Nate especially has been looking into this stuff for years. And I was excited to tell them I used to live in eastern Kentucky, so I was excited to tell them about, oh, yeah, I used to live 20 minutes from Hellier, and I saw this UFO, and there's this crazy stuff. But they just kept on asking about, like, Somerset and our our cult rumors and some of the unsolved murders and stuff. And so I was like, well, really, you have to talk to my friend Nate here. Um, and they're like, well, you know, we're actually filming for a hel- for season two of Hellier a little bit. Um, if you guys would both love to do interviews, uh we'd love to have you. And so, I mean, of course that was <laughs> amazing, you know? And so we talked to them and it's just so weird that ex- exactly, especially what Nate had been looking into is exactly what they were asking us about. You know, it was, I believe that they weird. call that synchronicity, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. The key word of Hellier. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually lived near Hellier and had experiences for yourself. Yeah, I uh, used to own a bakery in a little town called Whitesburg. Whitesburg is in Letcher County, which uh, Jenkins is in as well. And Jenkins is the town uh, where that cabin was that they stayed in season one. Right. um, That they did those really awesome experiments and everything there. And so I, (laughs) we've, my best UFO sighting ever was in Eastern Kentucky. And the first time I told Greg about it, I actually got super excited because after I told him, he turned to Carl and he's like, dude, that fits the timeline. <laughs> and <Wow>. so, <laughs> like, um, it was back in uh, early 2013. Like I said, we I owned a bakery and we had a um, food distributor up in Louisa, Kentucky, which is right next to Ashland. And that's, I'd go yeah, there. That's, one- that's right. That's right where Annie grew up. Right. I grew- yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would go like once a week, literally, to uh, Louisa um, and pick up, you know, donuts or whatever we needed for that week. And one time on my way back, I was on the country music highway there and I turned this corner. Of course, it's right in the foothills of Appalachia. I turned this corner, and there was a UFO, the closest one I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, just hovering over a hill in front of me. And the really weird part of that is if you have seen a UFO isn't enough, was that, like, it had this weird effect on me. Like, number one, none of the other cars even slowed down or stopped or anything. And, like, I mean, I've been into the paranormal for, I mean, uh, my whole life, basically. And so this is the first close-up UFO I've ever seen. You would have thought I would have slammed on my brakes, got out, and started taking pictures. But um, I saw it, and it was basically a classic saucer shape. The only distinct uh, detail I remember is it had rivets. And I remember thinking that rivets were odd because that's an outdated technology on, on Earth already. So how could that you know, survive space? But um, I saw it, and I just kind of thought, huh, that's kind of weird, and kept on driving. And as soon as I turned the corner enough to where my roof covered where the UFO was, I completely forgot about it. And honestly, I didn't even remember about the whole event until a week later when I was driving the exact same spot and had to piece it together there. And that was literally right in the timeline that... You know, David Christie is sending them emails and they're seeing these weird things 
half an hour away from where my business is. So, like, from the inception of them starting to talk about it on Week and Weird, I've always been hooked to this case because of that. I f- yeah, I find that, you know, I've always told people that when you dig into this stuff, I think you reach out, you put yourself out there, and I think that it responds, whatever it is, whatever high strangeness, even if it's like you're a ghost hunting, you know what I mean? Like these spirits, you try to connect with these spirits, and maybe they can't get their point across right away, but maybe later on they figure out and convey away, so they reach back out to you, and they're constantly, it's just a constant, you know, energy is just intertwining in a different way. And I think, like you said, you the key word you said was, no one else was reacting to it, but you did because maybe you were meant to see it and maybe it was meant for you. And I don't think there's any coincidences with any of this stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Like that's a pretty incredible experience. And you said rivets, maybe it wasn't for outer space. Maybe it's my theory's always been, and Annie knows this very well, interdimensional. Yeah. (laughs) That's definitely the way we think now, like definitely the more John Keel, like train of thought there that it's all ultra terrestrial that these ghosts and bigfoot and these ufos are all buddies at the very least hanging around getting beers talking about pulling one over on us humans you know <laughs> with the yeah. Nazis. Oh, yeah. yeah the nazis are definitely involved <laughs> well and yeah i want to talk a little bit more about some of the other weird things tied in that you guys have found but i, I kyle i want to ask you a question too about your museum when you opened this museum up, how, how did the town receive it? I mean, what did you get like a good reception or were people like, this is like demonic stuff, you can't have this here? Like, how did it all go down? So that was actually a big concern when we opened. Um, our town here, literally until 2012, I think, was dry. You couldn't even buy alcohol here. And so that's how separated from the rest of humanity this place is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it... it causes the frame of reference to be so far removed from the normal human experience that it was, you know, just bizarre and unable to process this place. Which is, it's, yeah, it's weird because Lake Cumberland's right there. So you would think like tourist attraction and and drinking go hand in hand, but. Exactly. There's uh, the city of Somerset has statistics. And when we were dry, the average person, we have over 2 million people come to Lake Cumberland uh, annually, and the average person when we are dry spent literally $9 in the city of Somerset. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Genuinely, because we had nothing for them to buy. You know, they want liquor, they want hotel rooms uh, when they're not on the lake, and the city proper has hardly, like, at that point, had none of that, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Now it's wild. Now it's... Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, now, like, honestly, this area wouldn't have ever even accepted something like my museum until about four or five years ago when uh, it started getting a little bit bigger. You know, 2018, we had more building permits uh, uh, issued in the city of Somerset than any other year in our history. And so we really opened up at, like, an ideal time for us. Um, but we were definitely terrified that, like, we had full, like, speeches ready about uh, different Christians, right, that would boycott us. Like, well, you know, King Solomon spoke to spirits. He went to the Witch of Endor, blah, blah, you know? And oh, yeah. Those, that never happened. I've, I've run into one person out in the wild in our county that just told me she was going to pray for me, which, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
the one we had one person that came through the museum that no matter what it was ghost stuff bigfoot stuff voodoo stuff everything they asked like is this satan is this satanist like and eventually i just said you know we do have some satanist stuff but we have an exorcism kit we have a stole from an exorcist in louisville like that's purely catholic like that's the opposite of what you're assuming it is you know yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's hard to explain that kind of stuff because everything ends up being demonic. It doesn't matter how you, which way you describe it, it's all it's all evil to some some Christian people. But then you have so many people in this area too, and you know, growing up here, and my uh, mom's side of the family, I trace them back to uh, Johnson County, Kentucky. So you know, Eastern Kentucky area, and I was very close with my maternal grandfather and my maternal great-grandmother who came from that area, she and her sisters were, and my grandfather used to tell these stories regularly, what they kind of called the witches of the town. And was they... It, was it because they were mean or because they no, were No, they were, I guess, I don't know if they practiced <laughs> some... Right? Yeah. <laughs> They're the devil. Um, I don't know if they practiced... If it was like healing, but I don't know what they did specifically. He used to tell me stories about them manipulating animals and doing things of that nature, like mind control almost. But you have some that are so biblical and will throw the book at you. And then on the opposite side, you had this very sort of mountain magic type spiritualism that a lot of people openly adopted. Yeah. I mean, you're from my neck of the woods. I'm from McGoffin County from Salyersville, you know. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Johnson County's, you know, we had to, when we went to town, we went to Paintsville, you know. Yeah. So that was seven miles away. And, and definitely, like, my my grandfather was a, you know, free will Baptist fire and brimstone preacher, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and dad was a, you know, dad was a coal miner. And they're, you know, they're really, um, my parents are still, you know, very religious. But at the same time, my father, when he was working on the coal mines in Pike County, uh, you know, on the strip jobs, those guys would would see these balls of light, you know, floating over top of the strip jobs when they were working at night. And they'd shut all their machinery down and they couldn't hear anything. But these big, you know, five to ten foot wide balls of light would hover over the work site and then they'd hover over to the another work site you know, a half a mile away that these guys could see. And after it had sort of slowly passed over everything, he said it would just shoot straight up in the air, just bam, and it was gone. And they would see those all the time on the strip jobs in Pike County. So That's insane. Do you think that a lot of this activity, I asked Connor this same question, it kind of revolved around, and this is my theory, the natural resources that we have in this area because there's so much coal, there's so much uh, natural gas. And if you watch kind of how, and this came up in Hellier too, the path that route 52 that they talked about traveling, you can actually trace a lot of that literally down the rivers um, in those, you know, seams of natural gas or in the coal mines And my theory has always been that a lot of this happened because if we are experiencing something from another dimension or another planet, you know, outer space, 
that it could be here because of the natural resource abundance that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, we, you know, definitely with Eastern Kentucky, there's definitely obviously the connection between UFOs and gold, you know, um, right. uh, there are a lot of stories about that, but you know, recently, uh, you know, in researching a lot of this cult activity, um, there's Philip Imbrogno. Um, I don't know if you guys have read any of his books. Um, no. Files from the Edge. Um, uh, but he he was in the, oh, was it New York area? Connecticut. Anyway, there's a, a northeastern town that had a lot of satanic cult activity. And it was the site of a magnetite mine, right? And mm-hmm. so um, turn of the century, they had mined all kinds of like, this magnetic ore, like even the roads are called, you know, lower magnetic road, you know, upper magnetic road. Right. People still see UFOs, interdimensional, you know, interlopers passing through. They see people in robes appear across the road, you know. And so that was definitely an area with a highly magnetic ore that was mined for all sorts of industry. And, and and here were these, you know, this, it was a hotbed. It still is a hotbed of paranormal activity. You know? And in, in addition to that, you know, of course, coal becomes diamonds, the most sought after thing on Earth. Right. You know? And so even the thought processes that we put into coal and diamonds because of that, like, can affect what what's there, you know, that we all hope to find. Well, any coal miner, I guess, would hope to find a diamond, you know, like. Right. The, always that hope of the the peace that will get you out of the circumstances that you're in and like coal represented that by itself to most of the families in eastern kentucky and the fact that diamonds are exactly the same thing you find a diamond you're set for life you know right well, i i always had a theory too that maybe uh somewhere like in in the other galaxies or something like that they ran out of kyber crystals and so they came to earth to <laughs> yeah. to mine the coal because they are diamonds and maybe they use them for lightsaber or something yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know <laughs> right. sorry that was a, that was a nerd joke well no even in the 50s they proved that you could record information on crystals and crystalline structures and so think about he had 20,000 years of science to that discovery and what the hell can they do with the coal you know like the crystal skulls exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't that superman's uh area of retreat or whatever his cave of whatever tranquility wasn't it all crystals solitude. yeah it was all yeah. crystals yeah. yeah that's it solitudes fortress of solitude <laughs> yeah i wonder if we could make some coal skulls <laughs> that would be sweet <laughs> so before before yeah. we start diving into all this weird weirdness like uh i want to hear darian wh- how did you get hooked up with these guys yeah so um nathan and i have worked together for a, a long time on uh like projects i'm an app developer a freelance app developer and uh we work together on with several startups and we've traveled together and stuff and we we kind of started talking with some other friends of ours about the murders that um, that were happening, that happened in the in the 90s, I guess, and how that sort of, you know, like the the important thing to to think about is that even though we live in Somerset, none of us are really from here. I mean, yeah. we've all yeah. kind of yeah. come here from somewhere else, and I think that's important to the discussion because 
you we didn't really know anything about you know this place and these weird rumors and stuff so when we started hearing them and talking about them it sounded so kind of unbelievable you know that we just started yeah it's and so we started putting it together from that and you know just you know like researching it on our on our own but um that's how that's how i'm connected with it i I do want to say something about what he just said in terms of and i think this is germane this was germane to hellier and it's definitely something that we found in when we were talking to greg you know it, it was something he even asked about um off camera but um there's this strange effect where you know i'm you know we're asking all these people these questions we're un- uncovering all these like murders and these strange events and these things that have happened and it just keeps piling up you know it's just like more and more and more and the, and the more that we dig the stranger the stuff is that we find you know and, and so then you ask people and you interview people about it and they're like well that didn't happen in this town i've lived here my entire life that absolutely didn't happen when i've got empirical proof yeah that it yeah. did happen right this cognitive dissonance yeah yeah and yeah, you know another thing i think uh, i was going to say this too that the, another thing is that somerset may seem like any other town in in kentucky but it's it's different in in that it's a little more urban than you would expect for a small town and it's been like this like subject to a lot of urban influences it seems like tre- because it's a, it's between Cincinnati and Knoxville and historically like the biggest hotels and stuff between those two cities were here you know so it, it used to be known as little queen city yeah. you know Cincinnati's you know yeah uh, Cincinnati's the queen city yeah so this was actually called Somerset was called little queen city which our transgenders love that <laughs> Which I like it plays into a certain sort of sophistication in the crimes i guess that that's that's what you know you wouldn't expect this in like some town in eastern kentucky i guess but here it's almost it's believable because of just that I think. Yeah. well and we service like our county is 60 to seventy thousand people the town of somerset's twelve thousand people and every single county that touches us is much, much smaller. So the actual city of Somerset services hundred, like over 100,000 people locally. And so we have things like uh, corporate sponsorship here. Uh, I want to shout out Chick-fil-A. <laughs> just opened up a restaurant here in our town last week. And like our town's losing their mind over that because like... <laughs> It's, it's the Lord's so- chicken. Who wouldn't? <laughs> exactly. Do you know? Do you know that people actually camped out? Yeah. They 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 were gonna give uh, the first hundred people that came in free chicken for a year, <laughs> and people there was uh, like people camped out. There was a small tent city, and at six a.m. they opened the doors, and all those people got out of those tents. It was chaos. And, and walked like yeah, they just, they just went in, <laughs> and, and then so everyone was posting on social media. About I it. think they did that here recently too. Like around Ashland, they opened one or reopened one, and they did the same thing. And people lost their minds over the Lord's <laughs> Chicken. It was crazy. Were people camping out? Is this a thing that Chick Fil A organizes? I don't know. Has this whole like inductory mindset where camp here, eat chicken. Yeah. Just call it Christ Christ Fillet. There's some kind of mind control in that chicken. Yeah. We literally just had them open 
Uh, we just, I mentioned earlier, we just went wet a few years ago. So we've never had even big restaurant uh, franchises come through. Uh, within the past few months, we've also had our first Chili's open. And again, like, that's not something that in the town it even seems strange because you don't think about a servicing such a large area. And so, like, Somersetians just go nuts for this, like, mundane like regular stuff you know hey guys we got an arby's we have the meats now yeah, <laughs> yeah somerset has the meats.com it's just so out of the ordinary though okay you've talked about you traveled to louisa so the town that i grew up in is right across the bridge in what's this tiny little town called fort gay in west virginia and literally, it's it's the same way all in this area. Like we get a new dollar store, and you are just you're on the map. Dollar now. store or Dollar General? Because there's fifty. It's a Dollar General, actually, yeah. probably. And a normal person can't go to that store for a month because it's out out the door lines. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I I, I grew up in. I'm originally from Staten Island, New York. My whole family came from the big city. We moved to Columbus, Ohio, this rural town right outside of Columbus, Ohio, called Lancaster. I grew up there my whole life, and I moved down to this area, and I, like, it's just, it's a whole, it's almost like a culture shock, because it's where I grew up is, like, two and a half hours from here, but yeah. the difference is so weird, but it's not a culture shock in a bad way, like, it's just, it's it's different here, and yeah. I it was, it's still kind of, I'm still kind of getting used to it. Everybody has accents, too, and I don't, so it's like, what, what did they say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely a culture shock. Um, I, I'm originally uh, from Chicago. My great-grandmother's from Nancy, uh, which is the country to the city of Somerset. It's like 10, 15 minutes away, and it's where the people that don't want to fool with the big city of Somerset live. And so my great-grandmother's from out there, and at age 18, she uh, married this man, convinced him to move her to Chicago, and then she almost immediately divorced him, learned how to talk without that quote-unquote hick accent, and, like, married the son of a famous uh, opera singer. And then, like, Damn. created a whole life at, where she just got out of this place. But uh, as we mentioned in uh, the documentary, like, our family drinks the water. So <laughs> and, um, my grandmother, like, her daughter eventually died in 1998, and so my mom moved us back to the area, back to Nancy, where our roots are from, to try to get a hold of some semblance of family. And um, <laughs> I mean, I just think that works in perfectly to that narrative that our family drank the water in Somerset and generations later returned. And I'm like, what the f what the what the hell's going on? You know, <laughs> right. What the hell here's going on? <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk a little. It's interesting that you brought up this term of cognitive dis dissonance with the townsfolk there. You guys are all from outside this area. You move to this town. And like you said, it's you begin to ask questions. And the people who are born and raised in this area are almost in insistent that this doesn't happen here. Or I've never seen that. I've never experienced anything weird. Do you think it's a level of ignorance is bliss? Or do you think there's something, I don't want to call it mind control with these people? Is Does something there influence these people to stay quiet 
about maybe what they have seen. Because I've talked to people who have had experiences in towns like this, and they are so ostracized that, I don't know if you guys know Geraldine Sutton. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Geraldine, you know, she tells her story about how her family was totally ostracized after uh, their Kelly Greenman incident. Literally lives in Ohio or whatever now to get to get away from it, even though she loves the story, you know? Right. So do you guys find that it's or personal opinion? Do you think the people there have just so separated themselves, almost like the ignorance is bliss? Or do you think there's some type of force at work there that keeps those people from talking about anything with outsiders? That's what that's what Greg asked, you know, after we had our conversation, you know, he was like, do you think there's something at work or, you know, and, and there is a lot of research about um, cognitive blindness. And, and so, you know, people will it's that Pleasantville effect where, you know, you've got to get through your day tomorrow. And so the fact that, you know, some children were brutally murdered, you know, down the street or that these crazy things are happening in your town, you just sort of like, you know, you just you just push those things aside. So so definitely like that's been studied. You know, that's a real um, a real thing that ha- happens with people. But the flip side of that is that there is some, you know, that there might be some force or intelligence in the area that is, you know, uh, um, sort of you know suppressing people's memories you know of, of these events and and you know is that possible you know I, I don't I don't know I mean we there was a remote viewer um, you know in reddit uh, the reddit thread for Hillier talks about remote viewing the town and we actually inter you know interviewed her and um, and and she said that when she remote viewed the town you know she remote viewed Hellier and it was kind of a strange town but at the same time, was just like any other town in terms of encountering it. But when she remote viewed Somerset, it was this feeling of pure evil and that, that she was being watched and monitored the entire time that she was remote viewing this area to the point at which an intelligence appeared and put a box over her uh, view. And so she said, since that happened, she has not been able to, you know, initiate another remote viewing session because every time she does, all she sees is that box. And so, you know, in in her opinion, there's definitely some type of intelligence here um, that's pervasive in the area that that does not want the you know local population to know what's happening. And um, to add to that, when when Greg and Dana and the crew came, uh, there was even an offhanded comment that Greg made. I. I was telling him some story and I literally spaced out in the middle of it and couldn't remember any details. And he, he kind of grasped at that. He said, does that happen often? I was like, you know, that it's been happening more or something. And basically he eventually said, that's a whole uh, symptom of them investigating, investigating the case that they've all felt. uh, I think the word he used was foggy on occasion that their memories have been foggy uh, investigating this stuff that has to pertain specifically with Elier. And I mean, like, even when I showed him the the town spring, like, I got a lot of information wrong. It's like telling him uh, that, like, years, people, and this is stuff that I've studied for years, you know? And so that's, I mean, obviously that's human error is the most reasonable explanation, but it really seems that, like, 
this stuff fogs your memory, even if you're trying to chronicle it. Yeah, that's kind of a, it's, that's, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense in a way that there is some higher power and force at work. And I find it really odd that somebody could remote view and they can't, they get boxed out. I mean, I don't know what a lot of people's views is in remote viewing, but I know somebody who legitimately is one of the most powerful, I would say, psychics that I've ever met. They don't like that word, but I mean, they are. And I've seen them literally remote view. So, I mean, it takes some kind of, you know, force to really stop somebody from doing that. And I've ran into cases too on, go, you know, especially ghost hunting where stuff just, you just get fogged out and you, you can't remember where you are, what you're doing in the moment. And it's, I think it comes with all that high strangeness, that experience, that energy that's being projected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I would say, like, there is a a thing that I've noticed, and this is, this is like, maybe this is the kind of, the point I'm trying to make. Somerset's sort of a comfortable place to live, right? It's pretty nice, you know? And so most of the people living out in the subdivisions, you know, most of them aren't from Somerset. Most of them moved here. We have a large amount of retirees. Yeah, but then when you encounter people from Somerset, like from the city, like that have lived here all their lives, that's kind of where you bump into it. It's not, it's, you won't, you may just not see it on the outside, but then when you, when you talk to someone local, it does feel kind of dark. But then as yeah. you're, but then as you're talking to them, much like in Hillier, you're, you're asking, asking them if they've seen anything strange and they're like, nope, nope, haven't seen anything. You're just you talking and talking. Well, yeah, but, but then all of a sudden they offer up some crazy story and you're like, well, that's strange. Yeah. You know, and they're right. like, well, this, <laughs> I guess you're right, you know, and, and and so yeah, is there some type of strange cognitive blindness here? I mean, I mean, definitely, I, you know, whether it's you know chemical or cultural or spiritual, I mean, yeah. something or definitely geographically. You know, or but geographically. You know, yeah. it's something that's weird is that like I lived in Georgetown, which is maybe it's a little it was smaller than Somerset, but it was like you know a, a kind of a similar town in a way. They had there was a woman that got killed there. And that was the first murder in 16 years. Really? 16 years. And I was like, man, there's a murder all the time in Somerset. You know, yeah. like, there's always somebody. Like, there's so it is, it's kind of a more violent place than you would expect. I guess. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's go down that wormhole because there's a lot to, I know you guys have done a ton of research. And I mean, I've kind of looked into it and just like Googled like murders in this area. And, and there is, there's a ton of it. There's a lot of unsolved cases, but but I want to ask you a question before we get into that and talk about some of the research in Hellier when, you know, I'm sure a lot of stuff was said off camera too, but one of the, the scenes is that they're talking about the emails that they get from this, this Amy girl and Nathan, I see you, you kind of perked up a little bit in this because he's talking about this stuff and you're getting a little hyped, but Greg seemed like he was really like, I can't. If this is, has to do with crime, I can't get involved in this. And, I mean, was he legit? Were they legitimately scared about that this could be some type of, you know, crime that's being committed in this town that they're getting themselves involved in? Yeah, I mean, it, it was like, it was a really strange moment because, um, you know, I've, you know, been researching this stuff for a while and collecting these stories and, and really in sort of like a folk, you know, folk history sense. You know, and originally the project was about a year in the life of the town. Um, and 2019 was a, uh, a very special year for this town. You know, it's the 25th uh, anniversary of those two unsolved murders. 
Um, lots of it was the anniversary of a lot of things, you know, and some other murders too. And so, um, and also there was a big change in the town, you know, and uh, um, and 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 you know we had a new mayor. Um, it just it just it was a, I guess I would say it was sort of a liminal time, you know. In a time of transition for the town. To add to that, our mayor that he's talking about, for the first time in the history of the town, is not an old, white, powerful person. He's a young, white, powerful person. <laughs> well, like, but that's, that's definitely a step in the right direction to where he's someone that is also not a local, not like part of the good old boys that have held the mayorship for years and years and years. He is someone that actually has half a mind about uh, tourism and economical uh, like he has brought a lot to this place and it was definitely a jarring thing for our city to elect a, a person like this you know yeah, and he's very young yeah but but, but definitely you know um, been researching this and and telling these stories and telling the stories to a lot of bands I worked with with the summer session so and people would take those stories and those stories would travel and and you know we were kind of spreading this sort of myth but when they came down here you know you know is it you know at the time i was like is it real is it not real you know i don't know um but definitely it was like a very fascinating story and then when greg came and after the you know toward the end of the interview he tells us about the amy emails and at the time no one knew about these you know i mean the show wasn't out um and he was like you know nobody knows about this and he tells tells us the the you know subject matter and tells us what she's saying and it was matching up with everything right and we all looked at each other in the room like holy shit you know like is this you know they're telling us things that are now confirming what we didn't want to believe was true and and then we were saying things that they didn't want to believe were true and it really was this weird moment of you know greg was like you know, this sounds like, you know, there's local conspiracies, people of power involved. Like, this is not something, you know, we're chasing little green men and UFOs. You know, we're not chasing, you know, murder conspiracies in a law, in a small town. Um, and so definitely that when they left, you know, they, they very much seemed uh, disconcerted. Yeah, that, that Connor interview was literally right outside Jarfly where the studio interview was that we did so like they walk outside and they're freaking out about being here and nate and i are upstairs freaking out about like holy shit they validated so much of this stuff that we've been looking into for years you know yeah yeah that's got to be and it's almost like a uh a, a moment of clarity like oh, oh my god this is sweet you know what i mean like you you like you don't want to believe it to be true but here's somebody who has nothing to do with you guys nothing to do with this whole idea of what's going on it's just like i saw this stuff they witnessed something they couldn't explain and it has to involves murder and that's yeah. what i want to get into right now you have this case there's this case there that's been open what unsolved for 25 years yeah and it's about a, a two siblings that were found murdered uh, but maybe go into a little more detail, kind of talk about a little bit and explain maybe a little bit of the theories that you guys have and what people in town are saying about this murder. Because it's a it's a pretty compelling case if you read about it. And the simple fact that there's nothing, it's a cold case. There's no, you know, no leads that I, you know, that I've read about or whatever. But 
And just kind of go in and, and to just tell the story a little bit. Definitely, you know, uh, you know, I'll preface this by saying that you know, uh, off air we can talk about some more stuff, you know, but um, and a lot of the evidence we have is circumstantial. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's you know, rumor, you know, from from people in town. Um, I'll I'll kind of tell you a little bit about it, and um, you know, I, I do want to say this, you know, the the interview in Hellier, you know, we we talked for you know two or three hours, and so that was you know heavily cut down, you know, to condense everything. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, the not I was you know, I don't want to to uh intimate that, that those murders were involved with any of the paranormal stuff, you know. Um I you know, the the murders themselves I think in, in researching this stuff and, and telling these stories sort of told from people here in town and repeating them um a lot, you know, and just you know, talking about it, um, you begin to sort of see it as a story and you sort of start to forget that you know, these are two people that were horribly murdered, yeah. you know, and, and their families have been, ter- you know, terribly affected by this still and it's still affecting them. And and I think it's easy to, you know, in talking about it and and, and a lot of true crime and, and, and researching this, you, you begin to um, subjectify, you know, the people and, and forget that, that these are real families and real people that, you know, that were murdered. Um, and so I, I don't want to, you know saying thing that, that that harms them you know uh you know post yeah, abs- absolutely and you know you don't want it to just be like oh this is a paranormal thing it's not i mean this is a crime that was committed a, hor- a horrible crime against two yeah. people and i and i don't think there's anything paranormal about this you know um but the when when i first moved to somerset the, the reason that we even were were reading about it or hearing about it was i i um was coming home from work and i was driving around uh, the circle downtown, the Fountain Circle, in the center of town, and um, uh, remind us to, to talk a little bit about the Freemasons laying out the town because that's sure. that's kind of interesting. But uh, but I was in, going around the Fountain downtown, and um, there are all these people with signs holding them up. Uh, you know, a crowd of people, and the the signs said, "You know, you did it," and they were pointing at City Hall, and so. I was kind of like, well, this is that's super strange. You know what's going on here? So I I got home and I I ended up over at my neighbor's house and um, and his mom, you know, I was I, she was there making some food and uh, and I said, you know what, well, this strange thing happened downtown and I told them, you know, what I saw and she said, oh well, those that's the family of of the uh, the two you know unsolved murders, the people that were murdered, and they believe that people in town were involved, you know, uh, people of power, you know? And so, uh, so anyway, um, uh, you know, that, that started me sort of down the path of, you know, just looking at some of the stuff they definitely had, you know, his mom told me, these are just the stories that everybody has, you know, and all these, all people, all these people in town have heard these stories. Um, uh, definitely. I, I don't want to talk about the, Def, I'll tell you more about it off because a lot of it is just like, you know, you hear the stories that 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 there are groups of people, you know, in power and and they're having these, you know, sex parties and and there's underage kids and and things and 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 rumors about that, you know, that 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 somehow was involved in this. Um, I don't know if that's true, you know, true or not. We actually were talking to somebody the other day and they had the same story in an adjacent county. Yeah. You know, which which was really crazy because it was almost like he had grown up 
with a totally different set of murders with the same sort of rumors that attorneys and doctors and, you know, the mayor and, the you know, uh, you know people, law enforcement, all these people were involved in it. Um, and, and so everyone in town repeated those stories. But, you know, and, and it's the same thing here. You know, people repeat the same stories, you know, but it's like how much of it's true, you know, how much of it isn't. And it grows in, into this, this, this crazy story. Um, but, uh, but definitely, you know, and, and they're, there are allegations too that in a in, in a non-conspiratorial way that a you know a businessman here in town you know uh, was you know had a relationship with with a girl and um, but even that you know there that you can't even talk about because you know the, you know you get sued you yeah. know um, and so it's it's definitely one of those things where it's there there's tons and tons you know Dateline was here in town. Uh, they did, you know, they researched it a little bit, did a story on it. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's just crazy that after 25 years, you know, and, and, and then the sheriff, uh, Sammy Catron, you know, that that's one of the strange parts of the case is that um, the bodies were found um, just outside. But the police from the cops from the city got there first and. Uh, then the sheriff and the deputy showed up, and and literally the sheriff, uh, Sammy Catron at the time, you know, said he pointed out that the bodies were ten feet in outside the city limits, which made it his jurisdiction. You know, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of a little it's an overstretch there. It's odd, right, right? You know, and so he takes over the case. You know, and and you know, there there are always rumors about you know everyone in town being involved but you know and it's just strange that that you know and, that, and that's the funny thing not funny thing but the, the crazy thing in hellier that you know amy is describing this uh you know in those emails and and on in her interview with greg you know in the car you know she's talking about the town and how everyone's involved in this cult and it, and it's very wicker man you know and and so that same vibe while not about a cult that's worshiping aliens or a cult that's worshiping the green man, you know, it's, it, it, it just, I don't know. It just, it's, it's kind of crazy that there's this, this layer of, of mythology in the town that we found in other towns, you know, where, where people sort of I mean, identify. It is, it is different too, because people. like, just like Sam Catron, I mean, he was assassinated at a fish fry. You yeah. Know, yeah. By, in another yeah. bizarre. Four case. years later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he is assassinated while putting two apple pies on his cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> um, two shots rang up. First one misses. The second one hits him and immediately you know, in the head immediately kills him. You that know? is the most and, Southern way to be murdered ever. That's the most American way. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the and then the guy flees on a motorcycle, right? And gets yeah. caught almost immediately. Yeah, and and, yeah. and then was trying to get to a rental truck to drive up into the back of it, you know. And he had been convinced that he was like possessed or there's, so there's, there's like a, a there's a there's a, a uh, that's on the interview he did on yeah, like yeah, court yeah, TV yeah. or true TV that they tried to tie it to like demons and stuff like that. But but who knows? I mean, like, obviously, you know, that's that's yeah. you know, hearsay, yeah. you know. And, well, um, the, the, the reason why I bring some of these cases up, especially this case we're talking about, you know, if people want to look it up, they can. You can look up a, a missing person's case that we're talking about. I mean, it's, it's the case of 21-year-old Linda Gibson and her four-year-old half-brother, Cody Garrett. They were killed 25 years ago, and the case is still 
not solved. But the reason why I bring up the whole crime aspect of it, because there's so much of it in this area and so much of it is unsolved and so many missing people in this area and so many of them are still not found. You don't want to bring into, you know, say it's aliens or like you said, cults doing it, but it's just it adds to the strangeness of this area. And that's why I find you find all this strange, high strangeness with aliens and and UFO sightings and ghosts and hauntings and a lot of crime. I mean, what, what do you make of all that? Well, I mean, one of the things, too, is is that the this area, you know, I mentioned it in the in the show, um, this area ha- is on top of the most, you know, powerful um you know, source of geomagnetic energy in North America. Like it's a crazy spike. It's called the Kentucky anomaly. You know, NASA has articles about it. You know, there are maps that we've, we've got that clearly show that Somerset is really at the heart of this crazy geomagnetic anomaly. And there's only two other places in North America with even anywhere near this amount of geomagnetic energy. One of them is Sedona, which has the highest, you know, UFO sightings per capita. And then southern Alaska, which, funny enough, is where uh, Linda Moulton Howe says there's a, you know, a pyramid <laughs> under the ice, you know. But uh, uh, and Harp is there, you know. But um, but definitely, if you look at these maps, um, it's it's a super powerful spike, and it's such a powerful spike of geomagnetic energy that it causes the, it really does cause the Van Allen belts to dip down to try to touch the Earth there. Um, and if you look at, at some of NASA's research, too, that amount of geomagnetic energy creates a, an effect on gravity. They actually have gravity maps. And so the gravity in this area, literally in Pulaski County on the Penny Royal Plateau, is different than anywhere else in North America. So, and well, like we were talking about the fog before, you know, we're used to this density, this gravity being normal everywhere else. And you go to this place where it's not could that if you visit that place and you come out of that place, that could, you know, Greg said, like you said, Greg talked about a fog. They were in this fog the whole time they're doing it. I mean, I'm no scientist. I'm no expert on anything, but that's kind of weird. I mean, this it, it's if you see this from that from outer space and your science time scientists are like this is very strange in this area you have to believe that's the reason why stuff's happening there well you know the effect that emf has on the human brain yeah i mean it can cause you know everything from nausea to absolute hallucinations hallucinations yeah so if you're dealing with something of that nature it's almost like can it be affecting these people mentally i guess yeah and that and that's what i'm suggesting is that you know, there is research that, that people believe that this level of electromagnetic energy could cause people to be more violent, you know, um, could lead to more depression. You know, like we said, you know, in the show, too, there, you know, we it's, research seems to indicate that there's a large number of people end up, you know, in the state uh, insane asylum here in Kentucky. A majority of those people are from Pulaski County, you know, which is strange. Um, and. Now we're 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 planning on doing we've we've got some interviews lined up for the show um, to kind of finalize production for the Penny Royal um, podcast um, where we do want to talk we are talking to some former uh, law enforcement and I and I'm really curious when we do talk to them to see do they feel like there is an inordinate amount of violence here 
compared to other communities. You know, maybe there isn't. Maybe it's per- simply perceptual on our part yeah. because we're biased, you know. But um, but at the same time, like you said, you know, you, you look this stuff up and it's like, you know, are there these are pretty crazy crimes happening in this area, you know. And but but also there's a, the, the other side to it is that there's a lot of drugs, you know, there's a lot of drug smuggling. There's a lot of drugs that have historically flowed through Pulaski County. And because of that, I think, you know, we probably could, you know, attribute a lot of the missing persons and the murders to those things, you know. And even some of these more famous cases probably have an underlying reality based in that, you know, rather than anything, you know, with a satanic cult or, you know, a telemic cult, which we do want to talk about that because that is a whole other element to this is, is the aspect of, you know, is there a cult, you know, not connected to these crimes, but is there an actual group concerned with ceremonial magic in the area? And, uh, just to add that, um, a few things I think are weird is that, uh, well, one of our theories is that, yeah, this area's vibrations could be different completely than anywhere else because of these things Nate just mentioned. Um, that somehow, like, his whole thesis for uh, the Penny Royal uh, Plateau podcast is that, is it the area making the people strange or the people making the area strange? And so we absolutely think that there's a possibility that, you know, uh, things vibrate at a different frequency here because of all these anomalies we've mentioned, the chords, the gravity, the 37 parallel, like that everything could just vibrate differently uh, here than it does anywhere else. And so there could be a certain construct of these, of a human being mind that it resonates differently in our minds and makes you see these demons, makes you see this cult activity, makes you see these things that to a normal person are unbelievable. And it's not necessarily what it seems. It could just be how the area is affecting the resonance, like vibrating in your mind, you know? Well, yeah, they talk about, you know, then Hellier, they talked about like in between areas. Like these are in between areas. And I attribute a lot of this stuff because I've said it for years. Like, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way that it's finally great that this is getting out there, that people are starting to realize this high strangeness that, that, that it's legit. But I, you know, I'm a huge nerd and I attribute a lot of stuff to Star Wars movies or, you know, Avengers or but one of my favorite superheroes of all time is the Flash and he can travel in between worlds in between dimensions. And one of the things that they say, like if you watch the show that's on CW, they talk about they can't help some of these other people because they're vibrating. They're from Earth too, and they're vibrating on a different frequency than the people on Earth one. Right. So that's why I am just so convinced that this is not spacemen i'm convinced that this is something interdimensional like these areas are vibrating at that frequency because you can travel through that space in that area and that's why it's a different frequency because the flash told you because yeah because barry (laughs) allen told me barry allen said so himself that's a good i like that angle because i think it i think there's another take on that which is see that what if there is like a sort of spiritual geography that you can't see right right now but you know you're driving and some magnetic impulse you know causes you to be exposed to a persistent 
spiritual geography. Like you would see a Bigfoot, right? Like, and and so it, the Bigfoot exists there. It's not just in your mind. It, it's it, and that would explain a lot of the strangeness. It's like your perception extends into that realm yeah. that you physically aren't it's there, and that's why you can't ever world. find the Bigfoot because he's there. And right. if you shoot at him, he, you know, is gone in a, bl- you know, blinding yeah. flash of light because you were just perceiving his world. You weren't actually in his world. Yeah, I mean, and like maybe, and maybe that sort of geography is sort of shaped by previous, like, like if there were some sort of cult or something, it could yeah. be deformed by that sort of, you yeah, know, maybe the imprint of energy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't mean. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's something we've talked about recently. Is this whole idea that. If there was a ceremonial magic, you know, group or black magic group practicing here, would, you know, would they, would the, would the things that they've done, you know, made an imprint on reality, yeah. you know, um, and, and could that be some of the effect that's happening to the people in the, you know, community? Yeah. Well, I think an area like that, too, is more susceptible to that because and it shows it shows on all these maps these you know nasa's got scientific research behind it but i've always believed in the theory that time is existing all at once the past the present and the future all align at certain points and like one of the reasons why i think that is because some of the like ghost hunting evps that i've captured and they just strange responses of things that are going on at the time that i'm asking the questions and I can attribute this too to an episode of Ghost Hunters a long time ago. I'm sure you guys remember that show, but there was an episode that Jason and Grant are sitting in this hotel and they say, Hill, there's supposed to be an old woman there. And they're saying, hello, ma'am, are you here? Whatever they're saying. And they get a response like, hello, who's there? Who's talking? Like that spirit is hearing them talking like they're haunting that spirit, but that spirit's hearing them. And I'm like, well, this, could it be that they're all just, their times are overlapping and she actually is still living and, Jason and Grant are still living, and it's like, bam, Walt worlds collide almost. Yeah, I mean, even the idea of window areas, like, these ghosts we may be talking to, like, it's purely hypothetical that it's the spirit of a human being that was alive and is now dead. Uh, the window areas that John Keel mentioned, maybe it's just a thinny here where we can actually interact with people from another dimension, um, and they just happen, I mean, some of the people be crossovers of human beings in our dimension, but it could just be people from another reality and we're in a thin area where it's like, hello, we can hear you, you know? Have you guys read uh, The Vertical Plane? Are you familiar with the book, The Vertical Plane? I'm familiar with the book. I haven't read it. But you know the story, though, where the, the, the guy's living in the, the cottage in England that's been there since the 16th century and... He starts having poltergeist and ghost activity and someone starts using his BBC one, you know, computer in 1982 to leave messages on the screen typed up for him every day. And they even leave powder out on the floor and they see footprints and the, the spirit is writing in old English. And then they take the letters to a professor and they the professor confirms that there's no way unless you were a scholar, would you be able to recreate this? And so he he realizes that he's talking to this guy, and that guy is living at the same time concurrently, but he sees a glowing screen appear, you know, in front of him. And then when he speaks the words, it types the words on that guy's computer. Well, while he's interacting with this guy, he the people believe that guy 
in the 16th century is talking to spirits, especially demons. And by that guy interacting with him through this BBC One computer, it causes him to get thrown in jail for witchcraft, right? And so once that happens, another group called 2109 starts to talk to them in a mechanical voice. And it turns out that they're talking to people in that same space, you know, 200 years in the future. And then another more futuristic group starts to interact with them saying, don't trust the people from 2109, right? And so, so what happens is, you know, the guy's like, oh, my God, all of these times are overlapping, right? But then you've got to wonder, is that what's happening or is it a trickster? Yeah. Once you've started to communicate with this thing, it's feeding you all these crazy stories yeah. until it decides, hey, you want to go on a quest? You're special. You should do this and and yeah and i think and that's I think, it's crazy yeah that kind of shit i think is absolutely what's happening in hellier yeah what's happening here with all the stuff that we've researched outside of them you know we keep getting led to these same places and i'm I, mean, I just really think you know they call it the phenomena but i think that there absolutely is some type of intelligence that's playing a game you know i, I think they made a movie about that it starred Dennis Quaid and uh, Jim Caviezel, where he he like his dad dies in a fire. Oh, and, he listens and, to him on the radio. He listens, uh, yeah. It's frequency is what. There's it is. also that terrible Keanu Reeves Sandra Bullock movie called The Lake House, where he's leaving her letters in the mailbox, and they're uh, like existing in different planes, but not using <laughs> that as a point of reference at all. But it's along the same lines. Yeah. Um. I just want to add to something that we were talking about earlier that uh, there is. There is no reason to believe that these murders we are already talking about are paranormally related. They may be related to some other stuff that is odd in our community, and of course it's still true crime. But it's still weird that the Hellier investigation brought it to us. Because, uh, for instance, in Hellier they talk about going to Strawberry Road, one of the areas in our county that uh, weird shit happens. Um, And... In and that, that's and, and that's yeah. one of the roads that they travel on in Hellier, correct? Yeah, exactly. And so here locally, in addition to those murders we've already mentioned, there's another huge unsolved murder of this guy that they found his truck completely burnt out at his place of business, and his body was missing for weeks. And eventually, they found it on this pile of debris off of Strawberry Road, and like. So there's no reason to believe that these either any of these murders have anything to do with paranormal. But this is now two instances that the Hellier investigations have crossed paths with them. So even if it's not some sort of paranormal alien ghost, whatever, it still seems like it may be tapping into a more generic intelligence or energy that has kind of an overarching feel of the things that go on not only in the area but in um, the full county you know so you're living in this small area where you have like you said a lot of violent crimes and it's kind of overlapping with all of this information that comes out now you guys have looked into some of these crimes and then the instances of some of these, uh, not really cults, but these organized groups like the Freemasons. So what have you guys that you can talk about examined as far as these organizations are 
concern there that could have something to do with these crimes, I guess, if you can talk about that. I mean, definitely the town, um, its history is very much intertwined with the Masons. Um, you know, I think we have Lodge 111, you know, which is, there are a lot of lodges in America, but this one's been here for a long time. Um, I think at uh, 200 years or over 200 years. Um, when the town was in its infancy, the Masons started a, uh, I think this was pre-Civil War even, um, they started a college here, mm-hmm. uh, a Freemason, or it's called a Mason's College, but it, was, it provided education for people, and people came from all over. And at the time, there were only four such, it was the fourth of, of uh, you know, uh, those colleges in America at the time. And so um, the way that the town is laid out, you know, on the... Um, the solstices, you know, there's a, an alignment with the sun, um, the equinoxes too. Just, just the way the whole town seems to be laid out is has this influence from the Masons, and they have a lodge right downtown. Um, they took over a, a Pioneer Hotel called the National um, that had a a well in the bottom of it, uh, you know, to, to provide water and. Anyway, um, but most of the, you know, the most powerful people in town, which inevitably have rumors, you know, swirling around them that they're involved in all this stuff, you know, they were Masons, you know, and it's just, you know, John Sherman Cooper, you know, probably the most famous person from uh, Somerset was a Mason. Um, and, and definitely once we're off air, I do want to talk about some stuff uh, you know, that, that will come back up, but. But definitely, like there, that literally, there's a groundwork uh, in the town that was laid by the Masons, and and add to that the fact that there's a nuclear bunker underneath Somerset, yeah, with multiple entrances that spiral off it like a, a spokes into the basements of various buildings around town. So there's this whole subterranean world, you know, underneath the town, and you know there, and and a lot of these tunnels that connect to the bunker and the bunker's not been open for you know decades so god knows what's going on down there if you were wanting to have a cult to worship aliens it's the perfect place yeah. you know and and it just adds another layer to the whole mystery you know and people don't even remember that that's down there you know even though we've found tons of people that have you know explored yeah. it well yeah, it's, it's funny it's, it's funny you say that because you know it was mentioned in those emails from that amy girl that there's an elevator that takes you down to something. Could that be what she's talking about? Well, I mean, we definitely have, uh, it's not even conspiracy theorists that um, there are tunnels under our downtown that now the city runs fiber optic cables through. And uh, during the Civil War, these tunnels were part of the Underground Railroad. There was um, uh, actually right next to my museum, there's a house that is now torn down called the Perkins House that uh, had access into the tunnels and they would hide slaves down there. The same house was also a, a runoff for the Civil War soldiers. The hospital was right across the street at the time and when they had too many uh, patients, they would just go to this house. So, uh, And they took care of both sides, which is kind of amazing, especially considering they literally had the Underground Railroad in their home, you know. Right. But you know, I've always heard that um the Confederate general that was killed in that in the Battle of Mill Springs, mm-hmm. uh, Zollicoffer was kept 
like on Vortex Corner, and they and to hide his body from the Union, they would take his body through the tunnels and hide him in different houses each night for like a week or something. Really, yeah. really? that's what someone told me. I think that's true. Um, now, we, well, yeah, I we, brought this we... up with I brought this up with Connor, and it's something that, and that's why this is all weird. Why everything I think is connected in some way because uh, before I even got they they talk about in hell you're the book this uh secret ciphers of the euphonauts i had not touched the book not even read the book looked at it ever ever heard of it till i saw hellier talked to connor still didn't own the book but i went ahead and bought it just to see what it's all about but in the interview we did with connor i'm talking about richard shaver and he i don't know if you guys are familiar with him but i, I said it in there how he one of his things was he took this in the 40s he took this elevator down to these subterranean tunnels and met these aliens called the Daros and Taros, and they were like killing people and, and, you know, harvesting their flesh and all this other stuff. And one of the weird things that he said was he took an elevator down to these things and he hit the, the basement button twice or the bottom floor button twice and it took you down below the basement. And I just found it odd that all of a sudden here, here we go again. It's in, it's in the book, The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. They talk a lot about it. And here it is again showing up in this random show that has to do with this book that they're talking about, but it involves elevators and involves subterranean caverns. So, I mean, it's kind of just kind of odd how it all just falls into place and you guys can confirm it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Years ago, too, man, one of my Christmas presents, which my mom was like, why do you want these, was the entire Shavertron collection. Hell yeah. So, got every... Every one of the decade collections since he did it, you know, once he was going from typewriter to, you know, electric typewriter to computer. Um, and there's a lot of Kentucky stuff in those editions. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, yes. And, and I think, see, that's that's where it all gets weird. That's, that's, right? See, that's but, what I'm saying. Because it's weirder the, than it sounds. Yeah, because yeah. now we're talking about reality and memory and parts of your history and parts of my history and parts of their history and suddenly the story starts to take on greater meaning to us because of our you know familiarity with these things right and and so it, it is as if the the reality is bending towards exactly. you yeah I, mean, you know? I guess it's like i guess in this case like take this specific example right I, 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 we can confirm that that cabin does exist with an elevator yes right? yes uh but at the same time it's more of an echo in reality than connected directly right. in some narrative but right but it I connects mean, but it connects to this narrative that we're now pursuing right right uh, yeah because in, in it's some bizarre way it's yeah. just it's yeah. it's strange because, because yeah. it's you know it's as if we're uh you know that there's something in these Mines. There's something in these tunnels, um, and you know, someone asked us the other day. They're like, "Do you think there's a alien base down there?" And I'm like, "That's you know, that's that's pretty crazy. That's pretty far out, you know." But you start looking at all this stuff, and it's like the story shapes itself. What you discover begins yeah. to shape itself to fit what you might want to find. Right. Yeah. You know? it's, and, or like what you're. Yeah, yeah, because it gets impossibly weird. Yeah, it's yeah, the, the, like like what we've uncovered that we can't talk about right now. That's going to be on the It's so absolutely bonkers that that when I tell you guys later, you're not going to believe me. And and and, and it sounds so crazy 
as if to literally knock you out of the reality that you're in to even believe that it's true. But then it's all true. It's 100% true. All the evidence is right there. And it's like, holy shit, man. And, and like Greg and Dana don't know about, you know, none of the hell your crew even know about this stuff yet. We haven't been able like, we're all going to, we're going to talk about it with them and uh, we're, we're, they're going to come down and hang out. But, um, but it's, it's totally crazy. So then it's like, it seems like something else is going on. Right. It's know? like, it's like the, you may see like something that is symbolically connected, but from some completely other explanation. And it's, it's like a continual tunnel of that. Yeah. It's very personal. Yeah. You know? It's strange. Yeah. Sorry to go on a tangent about that, but <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's, it's fascinating that you guys have been able to, number one, confirm some of this, because I think all of us, when we watched Hellier, you hear that initial email from Amy. And I I think we all kind of reacted in the same way that Greg and Dana did. Your immediate reaction is, this person is nuts. There's no way that that can be true. I did, and I believed it right away. Well, (laughs) yeah, you did. But... I mean, like the cabin specifically, or just like her whole like her uh, whole story. Yeah, her her whole yeah. story seems so unbelievable. I think when we watched it the first time, I looked at Che and said, "You know, that woman sounds like she's on drugs." And it's just, but then you guys have been able to confirm some of this. And like you said, you guys are three outsiders. You guys are implants to this town. And you have dealt with some of the townspeople there. How is it that they have been able to keep all of this a secret for so long? Or do you think that most people there don't know the underlying narrative of what has gone on there? Or is it one of those things that they have all just kind of turned a blind eye to some of this stuff that's going on? I mean, they all know the stories. Like, that's, I mean, the people telling us the stories are all the, you know, like the townspeople. But at the same time, a lo- yeah, I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, that didn't happen. But a lot of people do know it happened, you know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange because, by and large, no one wants to address – I guess that's the biggest thing. No one wants to address it, though. It, this, is, this town's built on tourism, you know. This, yeah. is, this is a town where Lake Cumberland is the main tourist attraction. One and a half million people come here every year in the summer – you know, just to, to experience the lake. So, you know, really crazy murders. Um, and, you know, it's just the whole 411 thing, you know. Yeah, right. the National Park Service doesn't want you to know. and right. doesn't want you to know about that information that they're missing persons because people won't go to the parks, yeah. you know. Yep. And, and so definitely there's a layer of that here where it's like, you know, we just shouldn't talk about those things, you know. Um, but then you've always got the people – you know, your neighbors who are like, have you heard this story? You know, especially when they find out you're not from here. People really want, want you to know how crazy this place is, you know, and, and that's that's an element of it, too. But then again, you know, like there's all the problems, too, with people find out about all this stuff. They hear about it like it's on a TV show or it's on a podcast or whatever. And then they just start showing up randomly and end up on people's properties and getting shot and killed because oh, they're sure. trespassing and. I don't know if you guys have dealt with that at all yet, but like no. uh, it's that's kind of a it's something else you just got to be on the lookout for too. Is people hearing these stories coming in there and and 
getting shot and killed because they're sneaking on people's property thinking they're going to find these secrets that are being told to them. And, and Greg brought that up in the Reddit thread, you know, that, that, you know, absolutely don't go down and just start showing up on this, you know, private property. And, you know, there were people in the Reddit thread that were like, contact the state police. We got to go down there and stop these baby killers, you know. And, oh, and, and so it, it gets out of control because, you know, what we're talking about are, you know, just just rumors. I mean, there's not a, a cult down here. That's you know actively operating probably you know I mean you know there's there's no you know evidence really for that it's all just circumstantial stuff and it's easy for things to you know it's, there's it's very religious area you know we were talking about this uh, with some some people in an interview the other day uh, that uh, you know there's there are a lot of swingers down here you know there are legitimate people that are having parties and. Because of that, you know, their neighbors are saying, well, those people are over there doing, you know, yeah. sinful things, you know, and, and it's easy for rumors to spread. And then it's, you know, there's cults and people are doing the work of Satan and they're defiling, you know, people. Yeah, and, then, but and the then, truth is somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's swingers and houseboats and cocaine and murder and somewhere there's occult shit too and it's like it all blends into some who knows some truth yeah because you know we reference this podcast a lot on our show it's called up and vanished i don't know if you guys heard about it but it's this story of this teacher that went missing they finally figured out who was the culprits but had been going around for years the rumors of that this happened this happened at a party it was these two guys were involved and everybody just kind of kept it on the down low but it was seekers that traveled throughout the the town this small town in georgia and come to find out that they were true and somebody knew it all along so like you said there's a fine line that there's some truth this came from some truth whether or not it's some kind of sex cult or some kind of you know murderous cult going on, there's some something. I believe there's something right in the middle there. Well, we actually have um, we have a woman that she wholeheartedly believes she's a victim of the cults locally, and we've talked to dozens and dozens of people about this stuff. And literally, this woman I'm t- I just mentioned is the only person that ever brought up Satan specifically no one else has ever brought up the idea that this is satanic rituals and she this is something that she's been experiencing since she was three so even if it doesn't have anything to do with satan uh when she was three she lived in an extremely religious house household and so literally her whole constructs of good and evil right and wrong are jesus and satan and so yeah no matter what happened to her, if it was a bad thing when she's three, it's going to be associated with Satan, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you um, you see that a lot, too, with uh, with, with ghosts. You know, I worked with a guy with, with ghost hunters, and he didn't believe. He just believed it was angels and demons because he was a preacher, and that's all. You know, that's just how he was brought up. Yeah, and, that's the construct that's uh, comfortable to him, familiar, you know? And that's the thing, I think, when people don't understand, they don't look outside or think outside the box, is everything's either, it's black and white. Right. And, you know, so people just assume that because you're some kind of Wiccan or, you know, doing some kind of, of ritual, you're, it's demonic. And that's, that's kind of a, just a, what's a narrow way of thinking at looking at it. So that could be half the rumors. Yeah, I I literally at the museum have an employee 
that I mean she's she's a local here, so you know she's Christian by example. You know she's uh, in her later thirties, and so her whole life has been brought up in this Christian example. And from working at my museum, she's gotten more uh, interested in witchcraft, for instance. And um, because she's more interested in this, she asked me. She's like, Kyle is is all witchcraft the devil and i said no and i brought out like we have a research library of course i brought out this um backwoods witchcraft appalachia book um and it's specifically like witchcraft that happens in the area and literally the very first page is a psalms quote and so that was eye-opening for her because she's grown up in a world where if it's not specifically for jesus christ it's a the, the devil you know and yeah. so the idea that, that like you can be practicing witchcraft and communicating with nature spirits and it's and it coincides with christianity just blew her mind you know you know i i like i'm from uh i'm from mccurry county so it's about 30 miles south of somerset i'm from like a small mining town uh south of here and there was pervasive witchcraft throughout my life i mean i i mean it wasn't like it wasn't ever not a thing you know uh, i don't know if it's just because it's such a strange place or you know i don't think it's because it's it was the poorest county in america for a while it is the poorest it's county. still yeah, the poorest so, county. Yeah. Yeah. well i've recently talked to um uh, a gentleman that is like in all of this stuff he's actually a producer for stuff and his the whole theory is that I mean, people are moving here to escape religious persecution, and then all of a sudden the Salem witch trials happen, and that sets a precedence for everyone in the area that, oh shit, we need to hide who we are. And yep. so he really thinks that because of specifically witch, like people that practice witchcraft migrating to America, then the Salem uh, witch hunt, like he thinks specifically witches have migrated to Appalachia. Like and so that's his whole idea is that these people that practice just talking to spirits and stuff are actually part of a hundreds and hundreds year old uh, tradition that 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 their witchcraft dates back to Salem, which dates back to England, which dates back for the beginning of time, basically. I do think it was like that when I was little. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was definitely like that sort of old. Appalachian magic type of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it it wasn't Satanism. Yeah, right? like it wasn't like diabolical. It was like something that people tolerated to an extent. Yeah, and Amy brought up Beltane in Hellier, and I mean, not to be offensive to her, but there is absolutely no reason that some regular country bumpkin should even know what Beltane is. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I I ran into the guy that that you know. I, I actually spoke with, you know, I think the attorney that that was, you know, had represented her in, in the trial that was associated with some of that, and he said she was super nice and was like a very intelligent person. It didn't mention any of this stuff, you know. So, uh, see, that's where it gets weird. Is that like the truth is stranger than the story itself? Yes, yeah. it's. it's yeah, it's bizarre. How would she even know these things? Yeah, I mean, what? Beltane's like a really specific thing to know about, you know. You know, and obviously that re- relates directly to the Green Man because Beltane is spring rights, you know. And and so if you were if you were talking about Beltane and saying there was a 
cult worshiping the green man, then you would have to actually know that there are cults that worship the green man. Right. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? That, that there is Beltane. So I don't know. I mean, that was str- uh, that struck me as odd. You know. I think her first emails are contrived. Like they sound different, don't they? Like almost like not 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 contrived by by any one week, but like almost like she's being fed this information to say or something. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Think. Yeah. You think it could actually be a group of people that are kind of putting that email together or, or multiple people that are sending that email and just she was kind of the face behind it, maybe? I mean, it's I, I mean, we, it's we don't know. It's possible because like it, it just seems like she wouldn't have written it that way. I mean, it yeah. sounds doesn't sound like when you hear her speaking, right, you're wondering like. Did she actually write those first emails? But it, it's definitely to get them to come here. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Which is, which is odd, you know? Like, it definitely was, you know, the relationship that was formed had an end goal of bring, bringing them specifically to Somerset. Well, didn't she that say we- that some uh, another guy had given her Greg's yeah. name? D- yeah. Doug, didn't she yeah, name yeah. somebody named Doug? And I don't think they ever really kind of, they don't come to any conclusion about who that could have been, right? Yeah. yeah he had a show on Nickelodeon back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> back in uh, the summer. Not it. <laughs> Patty Mayonnaise has nothing to do with this. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but I, like, yeah, it's like you said, there, it seems like there's something else. Somebody is feeding her this information. Did This didn't like just a come disinformation from her. agent. There's some truth, some not. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not, excuse me, I'm not pulling myself at all, but you would think that if this was just a re- regular, like, let's just find someone that knows this stuff, I literally have a paranormal museum in the town that we cover weird shit, you know, like, so wouldn't it be like step one in trying to find out more information, you know? Right. Instead of going outside somewhere to, you know, like a total outsider. Yeah, but it was it, it to me, it seems more legit coming from a total outsider as opposed to somebody who does this for, you know, who has a lot of knowledge on the situation. It's it sounds more, I think credible not saying that going to a paranormal investigator wouldn't be credible but reaching out to somebody who doesn't know what all this stuff is and saying this is happening yeah and then throwing well, it yeah, out that's it. true because of um obviously in in the documentary i was a little quiet about some things so i've literally gotten facebook messages asking if i'm part of the secret society <laughs> so <laughs> and yes like, you are <laughs> yeah of course i am that's spoiler <laughs> but yeah so i mean there could even be that idea that like he's in somerset he could absolutely be a d- disinformation agent um but, but, you know then then we uncover you know the story that like you know we've, we've been talking about you know cults and and things like that but then but then secret society hadn't been brought up yeah right? but then she mentioned the name doug and then we went down this rabbit, you know, again, a neighbor was like, there's a, you know, there's a Doug that was associated with running a secret society that, or that, uh, a thing that groomed young men for a secret society here in town that people knew about. She couldn't remember the name of it, you know? And I'm like, what? You know, a Doug in this town, a secret society. It must be the person she's talking about, yeah. you know? <laughs> but then it turns out when we find out who that Doug is, 
he is like the most normal person in the world. And so, <laughs> and it's like he couldn't possibly be involved. Yeah, in but, this. but but so was Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was the most normal person in the world too. It's like it's like it See, exists, but it doesn't exist. Yeah, you we, know, like a lot of the names that have been brought up specifically in this cult in- information. Like our names that are on our town squares and names that are on buildings in our city, like names that are known to everyone. And so just the idea that these giant names are involved is crazy. But let's be realistic about that. One of these names, for instance, uh, the heir to their entire, like they're one of the most richest people in Pleasant County. And supposedly they were directly uh, connected to these cults. Well, we're friends with the guy that now runs that whole fortune, basically. And he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. I can't imagine that he's inherited the keys to some demonic kingdom (laughs) under our whole society, you know? Like, we went to—one of the other people I went to high school with, um, and he's the only living member of this family that built— town squares and the gateway shopping center and different stuff and to be honest he is an idiot like he was a very nice person but like he was on the football team he was not don't say any names (laughs) he had zero like extracurricular activity besides sports and now he's supposed to be one of the top or upper echelon people of a secret cult that human traffics like except the same wasn't Gronkowski was it <laughs> oh it was <laughs> you know, Gronk but then again could they just be putting on a front you know it's that's the I, whole Lovecraft joke you know yeah. it's it's that you're like you know, I say this to people all the time. There's no way that, you know, such and such guy who is a country bumpkin is out here reading from a grimoire, you yeah. know, trying summoning to yeah, yeah, yeah. summoning some antediluvian intelligence, you know. But that's what Lovecraft stories were. You would never believe that these farmers were worshiping some old gods, but that was the whole thing. They yeah. were like, those people are too stupid to do that. But Hide they in were. plain sight. <laughs> Hide in plain sight. Yeah. Yep. You know, there is a legitimate case, and I'll just say this because it's in the news. It was in the news of a of a guy in Eubank that is just like part. It's basically part of Somerset. It's north of Somerset, yeah, yeah, but um, uh, that was molesting kids and said he was a warlock. And oh, that is a news story yeah. that pops up. Yeah, 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 yeah and, yeah, and yeah. he he was caught doing it, and he said it. it his family had always practiced that, but. When you see the picture and you see and you see who this person was, that I, he was a pastor, is what it was, a youth pastor, I think. And um, you're like, there's no way this guy knows magic. He just, there's just no way, you know. <laughs> and so, like, it's like, it's the truth is is stranger. It's that that there's mundane explanations for so many of these things. In it seems, but. They're all connected in some bizarre way. It's well, but really see, weird. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Is like, there's a layer of reality to all of this that that all of us would see as germane and sort of, uh, you know, very just normal, right? But there seems to be this other layer right on top of all of that, and at times you access it, and it's sort of this, yeah, that's that same story. 
in an unreal way. And, and we were talking to somebody the other day too about that, that, that holding these two ideas of something, you know, that, that it could be this or it could be this, right? But really, if you can stay in that liminal state between those two points of view, right. that's where this all ends up. That's you know? where it all yeah. exists, yeah. And that's where we keep finding ourselves is in this weird liminal space in this narrative that at this point is so unbelievable yeah, <laughs> that it, it, it defies it reality. Exist. It can't yeah. be possible and then it is. When maybe off the air, we could like tell yeah, them yeah, like yeah, we'll a lot of it, and then you you could understand the scope of it. Because yeah, it's, it's at an unbelievable. Early at one point said like when we found this person that is a missing puzzle piece that like fits this all together. Nate's wife literally said, "Are you just willing these people into existence? <laughs> you know, like right. because it looks like these things wouldn't exist unless we specifically looked for it, and what we found literally." like solves all of our questions you know and, and but, that's something that, that people that, that that we've heard again and again that uh, this artist that we work with dan dutton said you know about the case and and he he's involved heavily in this sort of view of i don't know this otherworldly view of, of pulaski county but he said you know a place isn't interesting until you start looking at it and and I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, you know, a place right. is just a place, but when you really start to examine it, it just starts to unfold. You know, and maybe you guys have been able to pull that perspective into it because you're not from there. You you almost have this outsider looking in perspective now that you've walked into this place and you you find these, you know, half truths in some of these stories, but somewhere in the middle of that. There is some truth to some of it. There has to be. Yeah, we don't fully buy into the Pleasantville anomaly that everyone else just eats right up, you know? Right. So, guys, I guess in summary, we'll wrap the official interview up because Shay and I want to hear, uh, we're eager to hear what you would prefer to um, keep to yourselves for now. In the... What do you guys want everyone to know about the Penny Royal podcast, about your research, about anyone who has seen any of the work that you have done so far? What do you want people to know about what you're doing? Um, you know, uh, again, it all started as just a, uh, you know, a year in the life of this town and it was that and then it sort of just derailed into this crazy story that all of our lives you know it was it was that it was looking at this town from an outsider perspective and trying to sort of in this is you know this american life way yeah. um capture you know this town and then it was you know to start to uncover all this and then when hellier came and after the crew left it all got so much weirder it's almost like they helped set off. Yeah, the, it was they already weird. Broke open you know? the floodgates. Yeah, but or... it, but that really seemed to blow everything up, and and then that's what Penny Royal became. It became this story about us in the middle of all of this, and and it still is, you know, a year in the life of the town. But um, but you know, it. I do want everyone, you know, on Reddit definitely, and because of the show. 
there is sort of a, a view of the town, a perspective that the town is like overrun with, you know, cults and murderers and, and it's a dangerous <laughs> place. And, and it is absolutely not that. And what I want Penny Royal to sort of capture, and I think it does, is that really what we're talking about is mystery and that this place is a very magical and mysterious place. And good things, wonderful, amazing, miraculous things happen here. And we've seen that and seen those stories, too. It's just as if it's a, a space where magic really does exist. And, and that's really something I want to uh, you know, want to push forward with Penny Roy, and I hope that people enjoy it, is the story of that sort of magic and mystery in, in the thick of all of this. Yeah. yeah, and to drive Nate's point home there that, yeah, he says it perfectly, like, this is not just an evil place. This is a liminal place where beautiful, like, it's a beautiful place. I hated living here when I was in eighth grade. I hated living here when I was in high school. I moved to uh, Lexington, the one of the, the closest, biggest city. And then after that, I moved to eastern Kentucky. And I, I, I did not want to move back, but eventually I did. And it's a completely different place as an adult that's looking into this strange beautiful experience that is life you know it's this is absolutely a magical place and with everything there's two sides of the coin but really we focus on the beautiful magical side rather than the evil dark side that can accompany that you know which is that piece of every every society in the world but i think it's very underlined here it's very highlighted you know so tell everyone when and where they can expect to see Penny Royal podcast. Uh, it's uh, available. It's going to be available on all the platforms, um, seven episodes. Uh, but also you can go to pennyroyalpodcast.com um, and uh, get the episodes there. And, uh, you know, currently it should be out in late April, early May. So. Hell yeah! When 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 it comes out, right before it comes out. <laughs> What's that? I'm looking for a Beltane release. I'm kidding. But yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say when it's about to drop, you let us know. We'll blast it all over the place. And even if you want to give us like a a minute preview, we'll put it on our stuff and just oh yeah, you know, give we'll us a little it, snippet. Blast it out there and just have all the people who love our podcast, you know find their way over to you because we're teasing them here. We keep saying all these things that we're going to talk about later and they don't get information to, which I, I love that. Cause it's like, Oh, there's more. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, all the people who listen to our podcast, but just, you just have to listen to the Penny Royal podcast. More when it comes the story. Out. Um, and if you guys don't care, I'd like to plug my museum crap. Yes. Please. <laughs> yes I was please, about please to ask it, you if, if anybody wanted to visit the museum, when can they do that? And where? So we are right now about to launch our website, internationalparanormalmuseum.com. Uh, included in our website, we're going to have our online store, and we're working on a blog, uh, a bl blog that will have all of our, uh, you know, just written content. We're actually going to start working on video content, uh, the three of us here, um, with a, a little production group called uh, Alien Space Bad. And we're going to be doing different scientific experiments, uh, different paranormal experiments, automatic writing, uh, automatic painting, God helmet stuff, a little bit of everything. And we're going to film it, add it all to our blog there. 
Um, and in addition to that, just come by the museum and talk synchronicities with me, guys. Uh, I'm there uh, Tuesday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., and Friday through Saturday, noon to 6. And uh, it's usually either me or my one employee giving tours. So if you're interested in any of this stuff, I mean, I just gave you guys a literal sp spot where you can trap me and talk to me about it. So. <laughs> Entrapment and and you guys need to come to Mothman Festival this year and meet up with us. Oh, absolutely. We actually just booked our room at the Low Hotel today, so don't Did worry you? about it. Yes. Oh. I've been uh, a vendor for nine years running now, and this is going to be both Darian and Nathan's first time, so we're super excited. Oh, yeah. What we're. We're actually doing a podcast platform there this year with Hillbilly Horror Stories. So they literally just came through my museum. Tuesday. Yeah, we. I, I saw Jerry posting pictures of it. <laughs> That's they're, awesome. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Yeah, we're gonna speak this year with uh, Jerry and uh, Hysteria Fifty One. So it's gonna be a good time this year. We'll take you guys out to the bunkers and show you some more weirdness. I had an experience out there that. Uh, was interesting on kind of on the same plane so it's always a it's always a fun time out there i got to go with my girlfriend uh this like june uh para expeditions did a group out there and so we went out to one of the bunkers and did this uh well obviously this was long before <laughs> hellier even came to town but we did this whole tonal experiment where we played all these different tones and um meditated trying to think make things ex like expose themselves to us and then just literally it was like echoes into the future whenever uh hellier got here you know <laughs> oh yeah that, that's crazy all right guys well thank you so much for being part of this we so look forward to penny royal's release and uh so that we can share all of the secret information with everybody once it comes out yeah yeah Thank you guys again. Yeah, this was awesome. I, I love you guys, and this was really cool experience for all three of us. Yeah, no, we it, it's an absolute pleasure to have you guys on. All right, guys, so that was our interview with the host of the upcoming podcast, Penny Royal. Shay, you and I were absolutely amazed at some of the information that these guys dropped on us. And like you said in the opener, there was a lot that they could not share with us on this podcast because some of the information that they have found out since Hellyer filmed in Somerset, Kentucky is just absolutely mind-blowing. And that is what their podcast, that's what Penny Royal is all about. So you guys stay tuned for that. Like Nate said, it's going to be coming up this spring and the information that they are going to drop on you guys is something, no matter whether you're interested in paranormal True Crime, Little Green Men, Goblins, The Loch Ness Monster. I don't care what you're interested in. This information is absolutely stunning. These guys, I mean, they did some incredible research. Some of the stuff they talked to us off, off the record about. I mean, where do you find this stuff? And they did. And they found truth behind it. And it was just, it was just you know, you pull it one strand, strands come apart too. And you start finding all these different people involved in this big united conspiracy almost and i cannot wait till this this podcast drops because you guys are in for a treat i mean this is probably going to be one of the top podcasts for 2020 i believe and i'm not saying that because these guys were on our show but this is going to be a very incredibly informative podcast and i'm sad it's only going to be seven episodes 
but I want to give a huge shout out to these guys for coming on and spending some time with us to talk about all this weird stuff because it tied, like I said, the paranormal, true crime, and it opened up our eyes again to a lot of the weird stuff that's happening in this Appalachian region. You know, we didn't want to be that podcast that always brought you uh, interviews, but I just want to tell you right now, before we get into the meat of this season with a lot of the stuff we're going to be looking into, we have a few interviews lined up, and there are some pretty good ones coming up, and I cannot wait, you know, for you guys to, to hear what we have. We have conspiracies uh, of crimes. And Annie, why don't you go ahead and just kind of give a teaser of what we have coming up for the next interview. This is something that I've been working on since last summer. This story was brought to our attention by our good friend Tessa Morrow, who's the host of the Paranormal Prowler podcast. This conspiracy involving probably two of the most well-known crimes in the history of the United States, really, well, one crime and one killer, we are going to be doing a series of episodes about the abduction, murder, and mutilation of little Adam Walsh. If you guys are fans of paranormal and true crime, you will remember the show called America's Most Wanted. Adam Walsh was the son of John Walsh, the host of America's Most Wanted, who became entangled and obsessed with the world of true crime after his six-year-old son was abducted and murdered in Hollywood, Florida. This story came to our attention by way of many people. And what we have discovered was that there was, it almost seems like a conspiracy surrounding the murder of Adam Walsh. And we are going to be talking with several people that fully, completely believe that Adam Walsh was not abducted and murdered by Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole as they later confessed in prison. They believe that Adam Walsh was murdered by Jeffrey Dahmer. Crazy. So I'm going to tell you, this is my disclaimer. When Tessa told me this to begin with, I thought there's no way there's any validity to any of these stories. It is just almost too unbelievable to even think about. Our first interview is going to be with a man named Willis Morgan. Willis was a uh, an investigative journalist for the Miami Herald and actually had a really terrifying encounter with Jeffrey Dahmer in Hollywood, Florida on the day that Adam Walsh went missing. So that, I mean, that is going to be pretty incredible. I'm, I know nothing about this story. I only know the narrative that was told to me throughout the years that Otis Toole and Henry Lee Lucas had something to do with Adam Walsh's death. And uh, this is going to be incredible. I can't wait for this. So before we go, guys, I just want to go ahead and give a little pertinence to you right now. We changed some things up um, over the Christmas break. I went ahead and got us on every platform. So before we were only streaming on iTunes, Paranormal Warehouse, and SoundCloud. Now we're everywhere your favorite podcast can be found. So I want you guys to look us up on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, Wherever you, you stream your podcast, follow Serial Spirits, man, because we are out there everywhere. Uh, please continue to go to iTunes, guys. I have to give you a huge thanks because Paranormal Warehouse gave us the numbers from iTunes, and we're kind of blowing up you know, the charts over there. And we're super, super happy that you guys are streaming us, sharing us, leaving five-star reviews. Tell your friends about us. Go to the podcast. 
you can leave a five-star review. You can just put five stars and you can actually tell us something about the podcast. You can say Annie's uh, gorgeous. You can say Shay is annoying and he rambles too much. I don't care. Just leave us that five-star review because it really helps us out and it gets us out there uh, for more people to hear the uh, weird stuff that we have going on over here. You guys also be on the lookout for something brand new coming from Paranormal Warehouse. We are going to be sponsoring a Patreon. So if you guys are interested in supporting Paranormal Warehouse and getting exclusive content, merchandise, everything that you could possibly imagine from Paranormal Warehouse, stay tuned. We are about to launch that and it's going to blow up this year and you will be able to get even exclusive content from Serial Spirits. Hell yeah. And if you guys have a story you'd like to hear us cover or you want to in- interact with us personally, you can always go to our Facebook page. Always follow us on Twitter at Serial Spirits. Or you can send an email to our new email address that I just set up, serialspirits at AOL.com. It's our own personal email. You'll be speaking directly to me or Weebs. That's it. Nobody else. And if you want to mean, remain uh, anonymous in any stories you have to tell us, then by God, it'll be anonymous. We also set up a YouTube page. And this, a lot of people set up YouTube pages where they put the episodes out. I don't want to do that. I know we've played shows in the past where we have clips on the episode of a video of something that we've done. And if we do that in the episode, the audio episode, you're going to be able to see that video on our YouTube page. So go to YouTube, subscribe to Serial Spirits, the podcast, check us out, tell your friends, And we'll be back probably in two weeks because it's probably going to be a bi-weekly podcast, at least for the next couple months because of the baby and our schedules. But we're going to be back once again soon in the summer with a serial snippet. And before we go, guys, one more huge shout out to Nathan, Kyle, and Darian for coming on, taking the time to talk with us. It was so awesome. We cannot wait for their podcast. We talk to them, and when they uh, get ready to finalize the last couple episodes they're doing, they're going to give us a preview, so look for it on our feed. We'll let you know when it's coming out. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. Find us weekly on all your podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you subscribe. Our theme song was written and produced by Annie Weibel for Serial Spirits, the podcast. Check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Serial Spirits. You can always find Serial Spirits on www.paranormalwarehouse.com. Check out all the amazing shows that Paranormal Warehouse has to offer. Also on Twitter at Serial Spirits. Guys, be aware and be safe. See you next time.